a lesson and a message about how women don't need balls because you hear a lot, well, I don't have the balls for that. And you will see that you don't need balls to be brave. You have all the parts you need. And let's be honest, balls versus women's parts, which ones are tougher? Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark. Sup Paul, welcome back to the podcast. This is the 44th episode. And in this podcast, we are talking with Lindsay Richter, mountain bike coach extraordinaire. From Bend, Oregon, she travels internationally, empowering women to ride mountain bikes as a metaphor for living well, overcoming challenges and obstacles, and all the psychological dilemma that come with being human. Without further ado, let's talk to Lindsay about being a survivor and coaching for her brand, the Live Ladies All Ride Camps. Hi there. Hi there, Lindsay. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. Thanks for taking the time to do a little recording. Welcome to the Sup Paul podcast. Hello. Hello, Paul. So good to talk to you. So good to talk to you. It's been a few years since I've actually even seen you. You're a, a busy person all over the place. Where are you right now? I am currently at home in Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. Bend, <laughs> I'm Oregon. in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> Why are we doing this this phone call uh, podcast? We should just meet in person. But, we should uh, just be in person, totally. Well, welcome to Bend. I'm only passing through, so it's good to, to be back here. I haven't lived in Bend in, in a couple of years, and I've been uh, on the road. So good to talk to you. So good to talk to you. You've been an inspiration to me over the years as just a, a strong, independent person and successfully Thanks. running a business coaching people how to ride mountain bikes, but more importantly, how to be better, more confident, stronger people. So I try to apply that to my river paddleboarding stuff, but this podcast, we're talking about bikes, overcoming obstacles, learning from the best. And Lindsay, if you don't mind me uh, uh, talking you up a little bit, I think you're the best. <laughs> oh, thanks, Paul. I feel the same <laughs> about you. It's always a pleasure to be around your positive energy. <laughs> well, thank you. And I hope uh, we'll get to, to spend a little bit more time. And I'm going to just tell my podcast listeners how we met. So I was photographing yeah. your ex-husband, Kurt. Uh, I think the first time I was photographing him, he wanted to do a trick and he ended up uh, on his head and uh, taken to the, the ER for another concussion. Yes, well, I, I, I took that documentary to the, the ER and uh, you came in to, to offer support. And uh, I, I loved your encouragement and your enthusiasm and just the, the hardcore mountain bike lifestyle I was introduced at that moment in the ER. And uh, over the years, you've, you've gone beyond the ER to really identifying yourself in the mountain biking industry. So that's yeah. how I'm going to introduce you. If you wouldn't mind, tell me about uh, you, your background, how you got into the outdoor industry. Yeah, well, thanks for that. Gosh, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Man, that guy hit his head a lot. Jeez. <laughs> oh, such a bummer. Anyway, um, well, uh, I'll back up a little bit to uh, after college. Well, really, I was, I was an athlete in high school, and it's really how I define myself, excelling at sports like track and field and soccer. And I went to college and didn't play any sports. I turned to social life and studies and really lost my, my fitness along the way because I, you know, back in the 90s, uh, I, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to uh, exercise outside of a gym or team sports. Uh, I went to school in Arizona and it was really hot coming from Portland, Oregon, where I grew up. Mm. 
And I just kind of lost all of fitness and didn't know how to get it back. So I graduated college, got into the advertising and PR world in downtown Portland, Mm -hmm. really felt like I found my dream job at 24 years old and was still struggling to to get my fitness back and balance my time. And the gym was just uninspiring for someone like me. I have a lot of energy and I just decided I was going to mountain bike race, not even just ride mountain bikes. I just jumped right into mountain bike racing and I bought a hardtail and started racing around all the races in Oregon. And they weren't really single track. They were more fire roads because there weren't a lot of mountain bike trails back then. And this was around the late nineties that I started racing. Well, then fast forward to 2001 and I got laid off from my PR advertising Mm. job because the dot-com boom crashed And I was devastated. I thought, well, I have my dream job. What am I going to do now? And the guy in the office next to me handed me an application for a reality TV show that I'd never heard of (laughs) called Survivor. What is that show? Well, that show, I tell you, it's like on season 40 now. And I was on season three in Africa. So I did this whole TV experience, reality TV, moved to LA from Portland because I was getting all these crazy opportunities. And I just wasn't fitting in LA. I, I've already dealt with some depression and low self-esteem throughout my life. And LA really just exacerbated that. Just the rejections and the comparison. And I was not happy in LA. So to find myself, uh, to, to, you know, keep myself happy, I would go race my mountain bike wherever I could find races around California. I ended up at a Norba national race in Big Bear, California, where I met Kurt. And he was just a ball of fun, just such an enthusiastic personality for mountain biking. He was a World Cup <laughs> downhill racer. I didn't even know that existed. I just knew cross country where you pedal up. <laughs> and I was just fascinated with him and with the whole professional mountain bike scene that I'd never really experienced. So the whole next decade of my life, we ended up getting married about uh, about a year and four months after meeting and took off on the road. And in 2002 to 2014, we traveled in RVs and vans before van life was even cool and <laughs> promoted his racing and mountain biking. Well, he grew up with a pretty rough background and He really showed me what it meant to be an ambassador for a sport as he really wanted kids. We we had a kids team. We sponsored some downhill racers and brought them around the country with us. And he really showed me what it meant to use mountain biking as a catalyst for growth and change and inspire the younger generation to see beyond how they grew up and that they're capable of whatever they put their minds to. And so that that decade of my life, I really learned from him how to promote a sport kind of from an emotional side. And with that said, I would have these meetings with with sponsors trying to get our program funding. And I kept saying, do you guys want to do something for women? Can, Can we do a program for women? I feel like Everywhere I go, there's all these, I'm I'm meeting racers, but I'm not really coming across women who are just riding for fun. And I'm also riding with all these world-class pros who I can't keep up with. And it was kind of demoralizing me. I was starting to feel like maybe I'm not that good at this sport. I'd crash and they'd all be so long gone that nobody would be looking out for me. And it just kind of became frustrated. And I started to realize, I bet this is happening to more women. They're getting into the sport with a partner who's already good at it. They're having a bad experience and they're not coming back. 
So in about 2011, I found out about this coaching certification program in Whistler. And I went up to Whistler with a friend of mine here from Bend, Erica, one of my best coaches here. And we took this certification program and just kept looking at each other with our mouths open, like, what? There is a... There's something here. Yes, there is a method to this madness. And it's actually attainable. And so after learning to coach that year, uh, one of the girls I sponsored, we sponsored Sierra. She came with me to my very first ever clinic that I taught. We were so nervous and we, it was in Canada and I had like four women in the clinic and it just felt like what I was meant to do. And so I started approaching sponsors about creating a program and still they weren't biting. And then suddenly Live Cycling came into my life, which is the sister company to Giant Bicycles. And it's a company by women for women. And they jumped at the chance to be our title sponsor. And I found out about this woman here in Bend, Meredith Brandt, who was already running some clinics called Grit Clinics here in Bend. And I said, listen, I've got all these sponsors who are finally willing to do a program for women. I want to take it around the country. Do you want to help me run these? Because I'm more of the dreamer, the inspirational one, the one who loves getting people fired up. And she loves spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) And so Meredith jumped on board and, you know, the Ladies All Right Mountain Bike Skills Program was born and it's, yeah, we're going into our sixth year this year. And one of the biggest things that I really wanted to make public and focus on was the emotional component of behind mountain biking and address very honestly, it is intimidating. It has been marketed as a very extreme sport. And I think that turned a lot of people off. You know, if you turn on NBC and see Red Bull Rampage, that's not exactly mm. indicative of what all mountain biking looks like. So, And you don't see many women. Oh, you don't see many women. It's, that's changing. There's more women getting into the free ride um, area of mountain biking, which is really cool. But that's not what I wanted to promote. I wanted to promote mountain biking as a lifestyle. I found a community of women after college. I really didn't love women. I was in a sorority. I got kicked out. That's a whole nother Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, (laughs) And I just kind of went into my 20s like, I don't know about women. They're scary. And then I started meeting these mountain bike women that were so down to earth and welcoming And I thought, I want more women to see that this lifestyle exists for them, that this is a sport that can help them face challenges, learn to face fears, learn to change their thoughts from negative to positive, and learn what they're capable of. Because the bike can really illuminate who we are as people. I definitely had my fair share of temper tantrums and tossing my bike off small ledges and, (laughs) you know, yelling at Kurt for not waiting up for me and... I figured there's got to be more women going through this and I want to help change that. So that's kind of how the birth of mountain biking started. And, and I have Kurt to thank for showing me the, the bike industry and showing me how to, to work with sponsors. And I really feel like I learned so much from him. And it's really unfortunate that we, we got divorced, but we ran a company together. And I think that that can be really difficult on young couples um, but now we're super supportive of each other and we cheer each other on and 
all ride will always be ours. And all ride really means that we should all ride bikes because the world would be a better place with more people finding happiness and joy through bikes. I haven't quite figured that all <laughs> that joy through bikes yet. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm still at the level of uh, throwing the, the, the bike off little cliffs and F-bombs I've learned through mountain biking. <laughs> so I would, I would love to take one of your classes, but uh, I'm not. Well, you should, because <laughs> that is the next thing is Meredith, who she had already had a company called Grit Clinics. And she was only coaching women as well. But when we partnered up, we decided to turn Grit Clinics into private coaching for mm, men and great. women. And it's a lot less of an event. Our Ladies All Ride program is very much an event with a raffle and sponsor items and goodie bags and education stations and beer from Deschutes Brewery. And it's really a celebration of mountain biking. The grit clinics are just down to the nitty gritty. You can call us the day before and we'll set you up with a coach and teach you a lesson. So you can just come to a grit clinic and we'll get you dialed. Well, that sounds fantastic. And uh, before we actually want you right now, give uh, my audience uh, some contacts for those. What's your website? For sure. Yeah. Ladies All Ride is just what it is. Ladies, L-A-D-I-E-S, All Ride, A-L-L-R-I-D-E.com. And Grit Clinics, G-R-I-T. C-L-I-N-I-C-S dot com. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, you can find, you can just click on contact us and that's us at the end of the, at the other end. And on the other end, you're going to get a, a variety of really positive uh, messages for encouragement to overcoming obstacles, overcoming challenges, celebrating community. Obviously, what the Ladies All Right is, is, is a community of empowered people. And uh, your social media and your clinics really uh, emphasize that. When I just started, when I transitioned from still photography, uh, how I knew you originally was through still photography uh, to mm -hmm. video, I, I uh, was invited to, to join one of your bend clinics to shoot some video. And I really liked how that turned out. And so I was really exposed to the fact that mountain biking isn't just about this technical thing, but it's about a community as well. Uh, so yeah. instead of the dude who uh, just wants to do rowdy things and when they're frustrated, throw their bike off little cliffs, uh, <laughs> the, the all ride, the ladies all ride clinic is, is a celebration with high fives and big smiles and tears and just that overcoming of some major lifestyle obstacles that you say uh, are, uh, you know, biking is a metaphor of, of overcoming those. Absolutely. 2020, how did you overcome 2020 and stay safe and healthy and even run your clinics? Was, I mean, what was 2020? Did that even happen? What? What? <laughs> it went from what? 2019 to this weird 2021. Something was 21, in the middle. Yeah. I was terrified I was going to wake up on New Year's Day and it was going to be December 32nd, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it was shocking. It was definitely as the rest of the world was in a state of shock and you kind of didn't know what to think. So we kept just, okay, well, let's just push our clinics a little further into the summer and wait for this thing to get under control. And that kept moving another month down the road, another month down the road. And, and then we had a camp in July in Wyoming. And I mean, let me tell you, Wyoming didn't seem to care uh, what happened in their state. So <laughs> we went to Wyoming <laughs> and we did two clinics and they went off great. You know, our it's very intimate, even though there's 75 women who, who are participants of these camps, we have seven participants in each group with two coaches. So the groups were only nine people. And we just asked them to please stay in your group of nine all weekend, stay six feet apart, please wear your masks whenever you can, 
and everyone stayed safe and we managed it. We had a ton of hand sanitizer. We had markings and cones all over the ground to just remind people what six feet apart looks like. And it was a really successful weekend. However, COVID did not seem like it was getting under control after those camps. And as positive as we were that we were going to be able to continue, we had to cancel the rest of our season. And that was devastating because we open our registration in January. And a lot of times we sell out all the way through the whole summer. And so in minutes, had, in minutes you it, sell out. Yeah, yeah, they sell you out. You are a rock fast. star in that sense. <laughs> like, here are the tickets, everyone who wants to. Oh, yeah, five minutes later, they're all sold out. Oh, it's See pretty exciting. <laughs> We're pretty proud of what we get to do. And that was just awesome. But we did have to empty our bank account and mm. give everybody their money back. Mm. And it, that was just, you know, and it's for us, it's never been about making money. It's about creating community through mountain biking and bringing more women into the sport to show them what they're capable of. And so I still, I stuck to social media and just really trying to continue to inspire relating mountain biking to life. And um, we also were able to run some smaller 10 person private clinics around Bend. Um, so we didn't actually stop coaching. We did it really safely. And that kept our spirits alive mm -hmm. because I've now realized through this COVID experience, how much I rely on meeting up with women all over the country and seeing these transformations mm -hmm. in them. And we do get a lot of older women coming to these camps. You know, people think, oh, well, I've had so many people say to me, well, I'm old. I'm in my forties. I'm like, watch it. I'm 46. <laughs> <laughs> you are never too old. And we get 50 year olds and 60 year olds and every now and then some early 70 year olds. And that there's something really special about seeing women who've gone through a lot of their life, not really realizing what they're capable of. And then the mountain bike shows them after they learn how to do something, they learn how to think it through instead of letting the fear overtake them. And then they do it. And we always say things like, see, it's just like life. You got to slow down and give into the process and take your time and take your time. It's an evolution. And so that's probably one of my favorite things is watching women say, I can't wheelie. There's no way I can wheelie. I'm 65 years old. And you're like, it's about technique. It has nothing to do with your age. And then they do it. And just, I mean, I'm sure you saw this when you mm. filmed our camp that there's just so much, so many aha moments that women see. And we do watch them just kind of walk away with a spring in their step. Possibly a hitch in their giddy up, but not many. <laughs> Mountain biking is a is a risky uh, activity, and you can you can you can manage risk through technique and supervision and knowledge. But uh, there's there are challenges you have to uh, assume and risks that you have to to manage. How is that as a business model to have so many people in a clinic with so many opportunities for for minor injuries? I mean, how do you sleep at night when you think, okay, here's my next clinic, seventy five people. How am I going to keep everyone safe, stoked, and happy? opening for us. You know, we were new to running these bigger events. We were going to all corners of the country. And we did have some accidents that that scared us a little bit. And we just kind of looked at it like, well, you take a risk doing anything in life, right? You can cross the street and have someone looking at their phone and hit you. Um, so we just kind of realized that what we're trying to do is get people into a powerful sport in a really safe and welcoming way. And to also help them see it doesn't have to be gnarly. It doesn't have to be extreme. It's been promoted as this extreme adventure sport. 
And it doesn't have to be. Look at our trails here in Bend, Oregon. They are very welcoming to all levels of riders. We don't have a lot of cliffs or drop-offs. You know, we don't have any sort of, you know, we don't have extended long technical sections. We have the technical sections that we have are pretty short and pretty limited to only a few trails. So we've just decided that it is a risk, yes, and we do see some injuries. We have been pretty lucky that the injuries haven't been that bad. Some some bloody legs from pedals every now and then, maybe once in a while, someone, you know, fractures a little bone or something, but it's always been pretty minor. And I think that's because we we know what we're doing now. You know, after the first year, we're really experienced. We learned what works and what doesn't. And we, we progress people really slowly and safely. And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned that's really hard for me because I'm a people pleaser is telling someone they're not ready to do something, you know, and that's hard. But also as I age, I'm 46 years old, I don't want to get hurt. So I'm finding that my own goals and aspirations, they're not so, they're not so crazy anymore. I don't need to be the fastest. I don't need to hit those big drops. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. I'm really happy that I just get to ride my bike and do something I love and I want to do it forever. And that's how I treat people who come to our clinics. I want to teach them in a way that they progress slowly and carefully and in a way that they they can do it forever. With that, I wouldn't think that a person could take your class who has really no interest in mountain biking, but is looking for building that confidence through a, a progressive technique and method with a, a strong, encouraging community. If, if a person wasn't into mountain biking, it seems like they would really enjoy your courses as well. I think so. And, you know, we, we start our days at every venue we coach at on the grass. You know, we spend half of each day just getting comfortable moving the bikes around and understanding balance and how to get the bikes up and over things and deal with loose corners. We kind of try to put them in every scenario that they may encounter on a trail, but on grass. So if they fall while they're learning, it's a lot less consequence. I would say some of the, the most injuries are just from getting hit by some of the bike parts like sure, pedals. Sure. You know. And if you're going to be riding mountain bikes, you have to know that you're going to get pedal thwacks in your shins and you're going to bump your shoulder into tree branches and you know wear the proper safety equipment. You, you focus on the safety equipment, including sponsors. For sure. We're really, we're really lucky to have great sponsors like G form knee pads and elbow pads and shin pads. And we have boxes of them for people to demo for free. So if people don't have pads, then they can, they get to borrow pads from us. And I think that just helps them feel a lot safer. And to be honest, we, like I said, we've been pretty lucky. I I can honestly say, I don't think we've had any big injuries in a couple of years. And that's just, I think that's a testament to our, our really mature, solid coaches who know how to progress people carefully. And I saw it firsthand, the, the spotters over obstacles, the, the progression element. How does, how does one of your clinics work? You, you bring volunteers and coaches on and uh, accommodate over 70 women in your clinics. How does, logistically, how does that work? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, through all my travels uh, with Kurt over the years, I met a lot of awesome people. And kind of at the end of my travels with him, I was meeting more women who were really good riders and, and a lot of pro racers who were done racing and interested in getting into coaching. So through my travels, I met a lot of great women who have become our coaches. So I have 
We have about 60 coaches all over the country that coach for Ladies All Right and Grit Clinics. And, you know, we, we ask that they get certified through a certification program like the PMBI or the ICP, which are bike certification programs, coaching programs. And then we also coach them ourselves. So a lot of times what will happen is we get a participant who just loves what we do and they want to become a coach. So they go through a program with us where they volunteer and they come out and they help us set up and kind of see how all the, the clinic runs. And so far we were loaded with volunteers, which is awesome. We have to turn volunteers away sometimes. And that's great because then each coach has an assistant that is helping spot, is helping maybe if someone's not getting something, that coach can take them aside and, and work on them, work with them one-on-one. Um, so they shadow a coach their first year. Then uh, if we think they're ready, they get to coach a beginner group and then they just kind of progress from there. So in the past, you know, five years, we have helped develop a lot of these coaches. Some have gone off to start their own coaching businesses in different parts of the country. And um, a lot of them are just really loyal and excited to, to be a part of the team. And I'd say a lot of our volunteers are past participants who they they just want to keep coming back for more. And we tell them, if you're a volunteer, you're going to pretty much get a free lesson. And each of our coaches is unique in their in their coaching, which I also love. We have lots of people who repeat camps or follow us around to different locations because they realize that we coach different things based on the environment we're in. So Sedona, Arizona is very different coaching than Bend, Oregon. Um, and so these volunteers also come on the road with us sometimes and they just get to experience all these different styles of coaching and then create their own around that, which is what we really cherish is that each participant is going to get a different experience based on the coach they get. And that's why they keep coming back for more. They want to run through all the coaches. <laughs> well, I think they want to run through all of your quality coaches to reach one person in particular, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Richter, uh, that is one thing that I noticed about the class. If anybody was disappointed about anything, everyone is attentive to you when you give the introductory talk, and then you divide uh, the groups to the, the respective coaches based on, on skill levels. I think every woman there wanted you to be their, their coach, though. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I did. That's I not a compliment. Like That's just the reality of it. Every woman wanted you to be their coach. <laughs> well, it's funny because on our social media, uh, my, you know, uh, Sierra, who we used to sponsor now works for us and helps with social media. And she did mention that. She's like, you know, if we want people to be less disappointed that they don't get you as a coach, we might want to feature other coaches on the Instagram <laughs> so they see that everyone is quality. But, you know, I feel like, Part of our draw is having a face associated with the brand. We're not just skills clinics. We're humans who do this because of what mountain biking has done for our lives. So I feel like I'm more of just the spokesperson for that. I'm super passionate about mental health and mountain biking because I have dealt with depression my whole life. And there's a lot of shame around having depression because I feel like a lot of people who don't have it don't really understand it. So my welcome speech is really more about helping everyone see that we're all in this together. We're all equals here. You know, we really, this year we're really focusing on creating more of a diverse environment around mountain biking. We'd like to see a lot more women of color feel very welcomed. 
at our camps. And that can be really intimidating too. When you show up at an event and it's all white women, I'm trying to help change that. So my welcome speech is really about listen, we're asking you to be vulnerable in front of us. We're asking you to try things you've never tried in a sport that's intimidating amongst most likely strangers in your group. So I'm going to start this day off by being super vulnerable. I tell them about going through divorce. I didn't want to get divorced. It was horrifying. I was with him for 15 years and I felt like I wasn't going to survive it. I get choked up. Um, but the mountain bike community of women that I had around me really helped lift me up and remind me that I am a strong, capable woman who can handle life on my own. And that's really what the welcome speech is about. It's not so much about, hey, I know you guys want to be coached by me, so I'm going to inspire you and then send you off to someone else. I really just want everyone to see I'm vulnerable, you're vulnerable. As coaches, we crash in front of you, we make mistakes, and we want to make sure everybody knows that. And then when they do, that's also giving them a little piece of me in the beginning, so they all feel like I'm giving them my full attention. And then I think they realize once they get into their groups, I can't coach everyone. And we take a lot of time after they fill out this questionnaire to put them in a group that suits their goals and their ability level. And all of our coaches are very similar to me in personality. We're goofy, we're fun, we're real, we're vulnerable. You know, sometimes we, our coach Kelsey here, she loves to tell people to tell her what color her bra is when they're going around corners, you know, because not looking and we just do silly things. And I, I really appreciate that. I know some people wish they had me as a coach, but then they get into their group and they see that we're all equals here and you're going to have just as a great of an experience with other coaches as you might with me. And, you know, to be honest, I coach the more advanced girls. And sometimes I feel like that's more pressure, especially as I get older. I'm like, Oh, what if these girls are better than me? And I can't show them what they want to know. <laughs> well, the, possibly they are better mountain bikers than you, or at least yeah. with, you know, they could ride a wheelie for 15 miles or whatever, whatever best <laughs> yeah, might totally. mean. But, uh, and that's where the community comes in. Everyone has their unique skills and abilities that you could learn from each other. Absolutely. We're always, we're all always learning, even so much as learning when to say no, when to slow down. You know, like I said, at 46 years old, I'm, I'm interested in doing this forever. And that might mean that, you know, my goals of five years ago aren't the same goals as today. I, I, we really talk a lot about ego and keeping the ego out of your riding so that you're humbled and you ride within your ability level and don't push yourself beyond your comfort zone. And that is kind of the point of mountain biking, right? We always talk about pushing yourself and doing things that you didn't think you were capable of, but there's a, there's a point that you can say no and saying no is just as powerful as learning something scary. That is well articulated. And when you're saying that, you know, the, the ability to say no and risk management is a critical part of life that, that young more immature, though talented athletes uh, don't have. All they're confirmed with is yes, yes, yes. Do yes, even if you're not comfortable with it. So totally. Was it yeah. Erica who had the incident uh, about five years ago with uh, the 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 fake Big balls goals. in the bike? <laughs> <laughs> that was Erica. Yeah, uh, you I know mean, that, that's fun. Yeah. Like, well, that that the story she attached something to her seat, you know, testicles basically, uh, silicone testicles, and she wrecked because those damn balls got in the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and that's funny that, you know, that was before Ladies All Red was really developed. I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to do Ladies All Red at that point, but that was uh, the Bend Bicycle Film Festival was asking for submissions. And we were just sitting around talking one day, and I think Erica brought up truck nuts. Like, we should do something with truck nuts. And I just right away was like, I, we're going to make a video called Big Balls. And I found these world record bouncy balls that are, you know, they fit in the palm of your hand and they're super bouncy. And I put them in nylons because I had this vision of them bouncing back and forth anytime you did something. Well, I didn't really think through that when she went to go hit a jump, the balls wedged into her rear wheel, stopped her rear wheel, and she went flying over the bars and broke both her arms. But it became a lesson and a message about how women don't need balls because you hear a lot, well, I don't have the balls for that. And now we can say, go watch big balls and you will see that you don't need balls to be brave. You have all the parts you need. And let's be honest, balls versus women's parts, which ones are tougher? <laughs> going to be well, real with you there. <laughs> because I don't have the experience of being a woman or identify as a woman, uh, the balls are tough in a, in in bike shorts on a saddle, but uh, <laughs> a lot of women that I talk to really find a, a mountain bike saddle uncomfortable. What's your advice for women for those those uh, those southern regions to be more comfortable on any mountain bike ride? Well, this is not just a sponsor plug because I have been riding mountain bikes for over twenty five years. Ergon. I believe make the best saddles in the business. They it's very scientific how they make their saddles and their grips. And I've done a bunch of long rides lately. I got into indoor training when COVID hit. So I'd be sitting in the saddle for quite a long time on the indoor bike and the Ergon saddles have changed my life. I also believe that the right undergarment, like a, a good chamois is important I think some people get hung up thinking they need a really thick chamois and that might not work for everyone. So trying out a bunch of different width chamois, really big, thick ones might work for some people, but I prefer the thinner ones. Um, chamois cream is good to just keep everything moving along, not getting stuck anywhere. <laughs> but it is a question I get a lot. I get a lot of women saying that their, their lady parts are not feeling great. And I think it's a combination of the right shorts, the right saddle, and, um, maybe some, some chamois cream, which is, uh, AKA body lube, uh, to help them stay slippery down there. <laughs> And probably the, the, the frame of the bike is important for that, too. And that's where, like, uh, the, the live bikes have really shaped uh, the, the, the sport for women. Yeah, the fit. The fit of the bike is important. Um, I, think, I think a lot of women have been handed down bikes. And this is also, I actually want to make a video about this because you don't know how many times I've heard from women. You know, my, my partner really wants me to get into mountain biking. So I got their 1980s bike. And then I say, well, what do they ride? Oh, a $10,000 carbon 
everything with the seat dropper and all the bells and whistles. And here you are on this tiny old bike with skinny handlebars, a super long stem, no seat dropper. And you wonder why you're terrified. (laughs) So yes, bike fit is important. And that's what I love about live. They aren't just a men's bike, um, pinked and shrinked, (laughs) which is a, a lot of bikes. So, you know, they say pink it and shrink it, make it women's colors and it'll, and market it to women. Live bikes are designed by women. And granted, I would never push women-specific bikes on anyone. I'm a big believer that we all have very different body types and different styles of riding. So demoing a bunch of bikes is really important to see what feels good. But I will say that Live designs their bikes with the female body in mind. And there's always things you can change on a bike too. A shorter stem, wider bars, getting a seat dropper if you have an old bike because it... It's not easy to tell someone, oh, your bike is holding you back. You need to go buy a $5,000 up mountain bike to feel good at, about mountain biking. That's just not true. You can buy a, a bike for a couple thousand dollars. It is a bit of an investment to get in to, but there are ways that you can make the bike fit you. And that's really important. Reach how far away the handlebars are from you. If they're too far away, you're going to be reaching for them, which can put a lot of pressure in your crotch which people don't realize learning how to ride from your feet is really important for women. Well, for everyone, because that's how you ride. But I think a lot of people get nervous and they start putting weight in their hands or putting weight in their, in their underparts and their, in their bottoms and vaginas on the saddle. And they don't realize that when they press down into their feet and drop their heels, it actually takes the pressure out of the saddle area and out of the hands and it goes into the legs and the feet. So yeah, bike fit and technique, learning how to ride so that you don't squash your lady parts. (laughs) You talked about making a video and with uh, the canceled clinics last year, have you gone into a virtual, have you gone into a video production side of the clinics? You know, it's funny that you ask because I got very stressed out last year seeing what was going on on YouTube. Lots of people started doing online coaching and giving away all kinds of skills advice for free. And I have, for a long time, I have done this thing on my Instagram called Teachable Tuesdays. I just kind of use Tuesdays and I show scenarios of me writing different things and I kind of explain what I'm doing, but it's by no means a how-to. But then I started feeling pressure, like, well, oh my gosh, what if things start going virtual? I'm going to have to do this online coaching. And that is not what I want to do. I do not want to be an internet star. I, I shine in front of people. I feel like all of our coaches shine in front of people. And if you're going to do an online course, then it, it should be where we can actually see you and give you feedback, not just feeding you skills and having you go out on your own. I think, I think my coach Erica made a good point about online, uh, just giving away free advice online that you may think you learned how to do something because you watched it and you got some pointers online, but your body doesn't know how to do it yet. And that's really important that you have a coach with eyes on you to say, okay, yes, you just learned how to do a drop on the internet, but you actually don't know what your body needs to feel like in order to create that muscle memory. So not a huge fan of online coaching. I feel like it's just adding another kind of element of danger. Um, So if it turned into no more in-person coaching for some reason, I would choose another career. And there's that, and not switching careers necessarily, but uh, you've switched locations, and uh, you've 
ended up for the winters in Colorado. Could there be a, a coaching scenario on snow for you? I thought about that. We actually got a call this winter from, we have a girls all right program for young girls and our head coach is Sierra, the girl Kurt and I used to sponsor as a youth five-time national downhill champion, supernatural at coaching these girls. And one of the parents called and said, listen, my daughter didn't ever want to get on a bike. She loves biking things to you. She went into a MBSEF up at Mount Bachelor to do some skiing and got kicked out of the program because she wasn't good enough. And it broke her heart because it's very focused on competition and grooming them to be racers. And she said, can you please start some kind of snow program, just like you do with Girls All Ride, where they're just getting together to have fun and learn life lessons while they ski together. And we said, well, there's no way Mount Bachelor is going to let us do that. So we can't. But it was interesting to hear that there aren't a lot of snow programs that are just about having fun. Interesting. So who knows? Maybe. You know, where I live in Silverton is pretty burly terrain. <laughs> the most avalanches in America <laughs> happen there. But we do have a little mountain there that has a kind of a baby run. And I've definitely thought about it. Um, but right now, I feel like I just want to stick to mountain biking because the winter is kind of my time to relax and enjoy the snow because it is my favorite season. <laughs> and you are busy. You are active. You put a lot of creative energy in other people. So I think you need a season uh, to yourself as well. <laughs> I do. And my boyfriend has a pretty strenuous job. He's the snow safety director for mm. the steepest mountain in America and has to keep it safe and bomb it and make sure it doesn't avalanche. And so I feel like that's, you know, kind of my time to help him and take care of him. And then he travels around with me and takes photos and videos mm. and oh, great. Takes, takes care of our bikes. And he's great. So it's a great partnership. We have opposite seasons so we can help e support each other. What's his social media? How can we find him? <laughs> oh, he's private. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can find him on my Instagram somewhere. But not go many. look. We're not just like the virtual uh, clinics. Uh, yep. You can go look all you want, but if you he's, want the real knowledge, you have to know. <laughs> yep, he's super private. He's not really on well, social good. media very well, much. That's he good. Maybe post once a month, which is great because there can't be two of us obsessed with getting followers on social media. <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the few minutes uh, we have left, I have a couple more questions. You are celebrating diversity by giving clinics away to women of color and uh, m uh, minorities in general. Tell us more about that. Yes, you know, after the, we've always been interested in that for the last, you know, since I started Ladies All Right, actually, uh, we've been trying to figure out a way to invite more women of color into our events because I have, I'm very aware that the bike industry does, is not uh, very diverse. So we've always been in tune with that. And anytime we have had women of color at our event, we ask them, you know, if we can use you in our, in our marketing, because we feel like the more women who see themselves at a camp will feel comfortable coming to a camp. But after the George Floyd incident and the state of the world, we really felt like we needed to step it up. So we asked all of our sponsors if they would be willing to, to pay and donate spots to women of color. And there are a few organizations. Um, one of them is called Black Girls Do Bike. And we reached out to them. We're still learning how to navigate all this. We're very open to listening and learning. We've been in a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings 
Um, and a lot of them are, are run by women of color and men of color so that we can hear their stories and their experiences and just really understand better what they've gone through. And, you know, granted, some of them haven't experienced direct racism, but haven't felt super comfortable in a sport that where nobody really looks like them. So we're, we're pretty excited that every single sponsor said yes. And they donated one to two spots. So we had 10 spots donated from our sponsors. And we're just, we're, you know, we're trying to subtly get the word out. We don't want to exploit anyone. We just want to help women start seeing themselves at our camps. And so far, the women who have applied uh, to come to the camps, uh, one said she lost 200 pounds just learning to ride a bike around mm. her city and she feels like she's ready to take it to the next level. And just the stories that came in of what they've experienced getting into biking and that our, our program feels very welcoming and like a place they would like to come and learn has just made us feel really good about our mission to try to just keep getting more diversity in our sport. We also made sure that our marketing is very clear that we are not a competitive program. We're, we're, we're here to teach you and to learn and to develop camaraderie. So we accept anyone who identifies as female. We don't care if you were born differently and you, you chose to become female later in life. That's totally fine. We just want to make sure that everybody knows that they are welcome at our camps. And we want to just keep getting that word out as best as we can without um, exploiting anybody. And the the identification of a gender has been in the headlines, at least the the sport uh, headlines. I'm happy to hear that you're you're so encouraging. Have you have you had women who or, who have changed their gender throughout life? I have. We have. Yeah, my camp in uh, Copper Harbor, Michigan, um, and she was great. She could manual like nobody else. It was incredible and. She was very feminine and had such a good time. And I felt like her energy, everyone was really attracted to her energy. She just was elated to be around, you know, strong, supportive females. It was, it was awesome. And we're also running into an issue where some of the states that we bring our camps to, like Arkansas, are passing some fear-based laws that um, are making us really sick to our stomachs. And we've had some participants back out of, of the clinic, actually just one, but it was very much because of these new laws being passed. And we kind of thought, you know, we kind of want to march into these communities with our heads held high. We have LGBTQ plus coaches. We have uh, some native coaches, um, some Spanish coaches. And we just want to walk in with our heads held high and say, you know what? There's lawmakers that are fear-based that are making these laws. We, if we pulled out of every state that we don't agree with their values that would be a lot of states we would have to pull out of because uh there's half this country i don't think we totally agree with but we want to be part of change and we want to come to these communities with our diverse group and say you know what your laws are stupid and we are proud of who we are and we want to make sure that people are welcome at our at our clinics no matter where they are in the world and we're here for the mountain biking and the camaraderie and you know we're not we're not going to pull away from these states just because of some lawmakers who um, are making these laws that we don't agree with. That's just, those are just certain people. You're awesome, Lindsay. <laughs>
Thanks. <laughs> Without saying too much, because I want everyone to feel included. If you disagree or agree with those laws, it doesn't matter at our camps. We're not we're not there to talk about political issues. We're there to make everybody feel welcome, whatever your beliefs are. We'll just leave that out of it and just stand strong together. And at the end of the day, it's mountain biking. It's mountain biking. It's for everybody. And a question that may be controversial, I don't know. I've been out of the mountain biking world forever uh, since I've started river paddleboarding. E-bikes, what do you think of those? I think they're really fun. We, we both, both Meredith and I have an e-bike that Liv gave us and we use them for commuting around town sometimes. And, um, you know, for someone like my dad, who's 76 and losing a little bit of his strength, I think it's great that he could go on an e-bike and go take it on trails where it's legal and, get that little extra assist if he needs it. Um, you know, it's hard because a lot of women want to come to our camps who have e-bikes and they just don't allow them everywhere. Um, so I'm a big fan of them uh, for, for the trails that do allow them. Uh, I, I kind of don't, I do understand why they're not allowed on some trails. I think you can get going really fast and there can be some, some danger involved, but they don't make a sound, you know, they don't, they don't disrupt the piece like a motorcycle does. And I'm a fan of motorcycles too. I have a moto and I go on designated moto trails. You know, I don't ride mountain bike trails on my moto and I feel the same about e-bikes. If they're legal, then they're great. So you're not one of the, the purists out there. It seems like every sport has their purists of you have to pedal or you have to do this or you have to do that to, to make it a real thing. And even in my sport of river paddleboarding, there are purists who say that you have to have a certain material of board or you have to paddle a certain way or you have to wear this certain thing. Uh, again, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's paddling. Come on, let's, uh, let's, let's have a self-expression sport. And a bike is a canvas, a board is a canvas. But, uh, uh, I've, I've, you know, again, I haven't really done much mountain biking in the last few years, but I was photographing uh, uh, Dane Tudor in Roslyn, British Columbia last year. And yeah, and, and Dan, I don't know if you've ridden with him, but he's just, you know, an all-around, like, he just loves moving through the woods, whether it be on his mountain bike or his single-track bike or his, you know, his snowmobile, his sled. Uh, but he, he was saying that, like, he'll on any given day, he'll be on his e-bike, his downhill e-bike, and the locals of that community, even him, will look down at him like, oh, you must not know how to ride. And he's like, well, I do know how to ride, and that's why I've chosen this bike. <laughs> well, and I think, actually, places like Rossland and Nelson – a lot of times they're climbing up roads to come down these bomber trails. And I, a lot of, a lot of them are taking cars up. They're getting shuttled. So I fully believe in e-bikes if they're legal on those trails as a shuttle vehicle. If you're, if you're interested in doing downhill, then you can zip back up the hill or zip back up the fire road on your e-bike, turn it off to go down. I think that's awesome. But it's kind of like you said with the purists and the materials on the paddleboard or the e-bike versus no e-bike. Let's get back down to the root of why we do this. That's what's important is we're doing it for fulfillment, for joy, for challenge, for being outside and feeling the wind in our face and the fresh air and community who gives a shit what bike you're on? You know, <laughs> I just, and I mean, personally, 
I don't, I, I keep hearing like, oh, e-bikes, because you can go further. And I'm like, well, I'm, I want to go ride for three hours. I don't need to go further. I'm going to ride my regular bike for three hours and get a great workout. I don't feel like I need an e-bike for, for when I just want to go ride. So, you know, I just think it's personal opinion, just like underwear, choose what works for you and go with it. <laughs> just don't ride trails where they're not allowed. That's all I would say, you know? Or like in Bend in in uh, the the muddy seasons, uh, don't go uh, riding your bike when uh, you could compromise the trail. But I love I love the 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 diversity, the community, the encouragement uh, in the in the voice that you have. Uh, over the last year, it's been a, a weird year, and I've been confronting mortality in many ways. Yeah. And. I've been to Mexico, I've been to Florida, I've, I've spent time in uh, the Southeast, in, in uh, the Nashville area, and went to North Carolina. I've been traveling in this this year, and the importance of, of communities and the people you love and, and the people you know are important. And one of the reasons why I was in Tennessee was to, to help a, a recently a widowed and grieving aunt of mine. So mortality was I was confronted with, and fortunately... What I've gotten out of the, the confrontation with mortality is it doesn't matter your religion, your ethnicity, your nationality, if you're on a bike or a paddleboard, it doesn't matter all that bullshit. If you're a good person and you're supportive, that's the legacy that I want to have in my life. It doesn't really matter about money. That, I know that's a complicated uh, answer, but it doesn't matter about your family. It doesn't matter about your perspective on political races, but it does matter if you're kind. You're a good person. Yeah. Kind to your neighbors. Being kind is what the, the ladies all ride clinics, I think, are really emphasizing. And that's why I reached out to you today, Lindsay. Thank you so much Aww. for being a part of the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, it's, I feel like I've done a lot of evolving over my life and I was raised in a certain environment that was very much keep up with the Joneses and it matters what everyone thinks of you and you need to have this kind of impression on people. And I've had to work through that and through mountain biking and our camps and seeing all walks of life show up to these camps. It does not matter if you are a school teacher or a biomechanical engineer or a doctor we are all equals when we're on our bikes we all fall we all have to pick ourselves back up we all have emotions and things we have to deal with and we're just humans trying to make it in the world and imagine what this world would be like if we would all just learn to come from a place of kindness and stop comparing ourselves to everyone else with that, let's end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Bada bing. Bada bing. So you were on a reality show called Survivor, but the, the reality of your life is that you are a survivor, Lindsay. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and all the women and all the people that you uh, influence along the way. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun to talk to you. Easy peasy talking to you. <laughs> Easy peasy. I'll farm your social media for a thumbnail pick unless there's something that you want to share with me uh, through an email. No, that sounds great. Yeah. I'll listen to this uh, in the next day or so and uh, give you a link to the podcast. And it's available where all people get podcasts from Apple and Google and Spotify. Yeah. And tell me about that. Are you living in, in a vehicle on the road? Well, interestingly enough, I'm in a vehicle right now at uh, the disc golf course in Sisters. I'm uh, traveling this month with my Canadian girlfriend from Rosalind. So oh, we, awesome. uh, you know, we're in the gorge and, and things like that. Uh, I live in the Hood River area now, but uh, I just rent a room because I, and I have not been in that room for probably four months. 
Oh, I love you. Sound like me. Same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm back in Bend. I haven't been here for months. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's yeah. And the van that I'm in is just a big billboard van. You're familiar with those big billboard sprinter vans that uh, that show that uh, you're someone important, or at least uh, you're trying to convey that. Uh, Well, uh, my billboard is uh, the paddleboard company. Oh, I I love it. Well, I would love to to paddleboard with you sometime. It's funny that you keep saying, you know, mountain biking. It's dangerous. It's intimidating. I'm like, are fucking kidding me i'm terrified of rapids (laughs) my boyfriend is a is a river guy and i'm like we're we have the same Lindsay. we have the same perspective at that and especially the aging i'm a couple years older than you but it's risk management i want to continue doing this i don't want to suffer injuries that prolong and i had an ac separation last year that i was kind of overcoming but Uh, and and, i'm overcoming now but yeah it's 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 not you know, you're not doing anything life-threatening. You're doing everything that's rational and reasonable and, and calculated because you want to paddle again tomorrow. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and I should introduce you to essentially your equivalent of the river paddleboarding world. Uh, she's a lady that lives in Calgary, originally from Nelson, Rita Boychuk. She runs river paddleboarding clinics. Uh, oh, awesome. And she's been doing really successful over the last couple of years, um, primarily with women on rivers in Canada. Awesome. She is infectious with her laugh and her smile and her encouragement. So it's good to see that all of these little niche extreme sports, if you want to call them extreme sports, have their own place for for women in particular who are looking for being a pilot of their own craft. So bikes, rivers, horses, whatever it is, empowerment and diversity. Yep, all of it, yep. All right, Lindsay, I'm out. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, you too, Paul. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye.